You are listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists, hosted by Dr. Laura Mock. This is a space where we talk about all things wellness, just for dentists. If you're looking for help treating yourself better, mentally, emotionally, and physically, you're in the right place. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to my 13th podcast episode. I'm so happy that you are sticking it out and listening to my podcast episodes. It has been such a pleasure so far to be bringing all this information to you. And as I've said before, I just love hearing from you, even if it's just to let me know that you enjoyed the episode or if you write me a review, which of course I so appreciate when you do that. In fact, I'm going to read one that I got a few months ago that was so good. It says, Dr. Mock is a bright light in an all too often dim space. As dental professionals, we expend so much time and energy caring for others that we are completely spent at the end of our day. This podcast reminds us all to recenter, refocus, and rejuvenate. What a blessing. And that's from somebody named Sue, um, Sue Jeffries. She's a dental hygienist and uh, advocate for mental well-being in the dental space. So thank you, Sue. I really appreciate that. So this week, we are going to be talking to a coach of mine, someone who has really helped me in my leadership, and her name is Chris Plackey. She also has a podcast, and I will include notes to how to find her podcast on my show notes on my website. If you want to listen to some of her podcasts, they're very insightful, especially for female leadership. So this podcast really does kind of focus on in that female space and kind of like, what are some of the mistakes that we make as female leaders and how we can correct them. So I hope that you all enjoy this and I will see you at the end of the program. All right. So I'd like to welcome Chris Plackey to my podcast. Welcome. Hello, hello. hello. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Of course, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so so Chris Plackey, you're like this super smart lady and you have learned some stuff about leadership with females, right? Yes. Okay. One of my favorite things that you talk about is some of the common mistakes that we make. We like learning about mistakes on on my podcast. (laughs) Usually mine. (laughs) Mistakes and then then how not to make them. Is that how that works? Exactly. Exactly. So do you want to tell us some of the things that we do wrong? (laughs) Well, I want to first say that I would not have said it that way. That (laughs) Laura's verbiage, not mine. I think there's a lot of things that we just don't know, right? And what I have certainly, what has been my experience working with dentists, particularly, also doctors, veterinarians, right? Uh, physical therapists, mm-hmm. anybody who runs a medical office. I see a lot of similarities in some of the challenges that you all face. But the primary one is you went to dental school to be a dentist. Yes. <laughs> and not to be a manager. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think one of the biggest mistakes that happens um, initially for my clients who are dentists and have a medical practice is you work for another dentist for a while, right, to get your experience. And then you either purchase a practice or you start your own. This seems to be kind of the two ways. If they if if you don't stay with 
with another um, dentist, you actually go out and start your own. And I think what happens is a lot of people believe like it's all about, it's just all about the dentistry. Yes. And while I don't disagree that you have to be very good at it as a dentist, you have to go into, if you don't go into that understanding that you're also starting a company, you're starting a business, you are an entrepreneur. And I think a lot of, especially medical professionals don't like to think of themselves that way, but you are. And so to deny that means then you're just sort of um, not building a managed business. You're just a technician who has people who helped you or a practitioner who has people who help you. And that doesn't serve you in the long run as you grow, which is part of, I know your experience, right? Like you get to a certain size where it's just you and maybe one or two people. It's not a problem. But then you start to grow and you really do have more human bodies in your business. And not everybody works like you. Not everybody thinks like you. Not everybody has the same level of commitment as you. But if you don't have the infrastructure for managing people, that's when the like wheels start to kind of shake and maybe even fly off. And people can get, my clients, female leaders can get very despondent and frustrated and almost like feel a little hopeless. Like, how am I ever going to do this and not have to deal with people? And manage them, but you have to. So, so to crystallize that, my first mistake would be when you start your practice and it's yours, whether you purchase one or you start one on your own, you have to tell yourself the truth that you are also becoming a manager. And I would like to expand on that and point out that what happens is if you're a good dentist and you're nice to your patients, Mm -hmm. then as you get busier, you're pulse, your feel for the pulse of the practice gets farther and farther away from what's happening Mm -hmm. when you're not being a technician. Mm -hmm. Like everybody else who's answering the phone, the people who are making appointments and collecting dollars from the patients, you don't even know what's happening because you're so busy seeing the patients who like you because you're Mm -hmm. likable Mm -hmm. and you're nice and you listen to your patients. And so you you get separated more and the busier you get, the shorter on time you think you are. And so you spend even less time managing this thing that you started. Absolutely. And that's when it gets kind of, you really get over your skis, right? That's part of the challenge. Yes. How do, where do I start? Yeah. So you've had some clients do that. (laughs) I've got lots of clients do that. Everybody who hires me is that client, right? So I have the successful business, I'm making money, I have the people, and they're not getting along, they're gossiping about each other, people don't open the um, office on time if I'm not there, they don't follow the processes if I'm not there, Um, billing's not getting done on time, Um, potentially people are rude to patients when they call to book appointments, like how do I manage all of this? And so I think the other element that I would add, this is sort of the second mistake or maybe challenge is a lot of medical professionals become very reliant on the office manager. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that the office manager role is not critical to your success. It is. But instead of accepting responsibility for what this office manager does, setting up their job, setting up clear expectations for how they work with your team, 
making sure they can actually manage people. What a lot of dentists do and medical practice owners do is they abdicate to the office manager. And then what happens is the office manager sort of rules the business, like they're in charge, and the the practitioner, the owner, isn't really managing anyone. But this office manager is such a critical role for your business, right? Because they're really like represent you. They represent you to the patient. They represent you to the employees. And so my biggest, what I, what I find for a lot of my clients is that role is not working for them. It's either someone they inherited from the business that they purchased, or it's someone they hired because they just needed help. And they kind of abdicated what they wanted them to do. Because in, in your mind as a dentist, you don't know billing but an office manager might. Mm-hmm. So you kind of release and you give them the authority to make a lot of decisions about how things are done in your business. So to your point, you're in there working, what is it that you say? Bending over patients. <laughs> Bent over patients, yeah. Bent over patients. <laughs> and they're in there figuring out how to make you money. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't work if you're if you aren't overseeing and managing them. I feel like a lot of dental practices fail to reach their full potential because of what you're describing. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. for myself, what I did was I took someone who was my front desk, like my ambassador person. And I said, I'm tired of doing these things. Do you want to be the office manager instead of the front desk? And then I just sort of let her define that role herself. Right. And I'm sure you know how that worked. <laughs> yeah. And so what we do for, that's one of the first roles we work on, right? Is how to look at the, like, what are the expectations of that position? Does the position even have a job description? Mm-hmm. Because if it doesn't, we, we need them to have one. <laughs> and then once we have a job description, what are the expectations? Like, what are the goals? What are you holding them accountable to? And then how frequently are you checking in? Are you evaluating how they're progressing? Are you checking up on their work with your business? You can't just give your success to someone like that. It just, it doesn't work out. And so the women I've worked with who do that, it's a game changer. Some of them can keep the women they have as their office managers. I say women because I've never, I've never seen a non-woman office manager. I have. I'm sure they exist. So no offense to people who are not women, (laughs) but, um, you know, the, you, you, you either have to really redefine and what, in some cases, what we do is we, we create the job description, we outline the expectations, we outline the role, the goals, and then we make the office manager a new offer, right? And we say, I know you've worked for me for four years and we've been making it work, but it hasn't been really structured. So we're going to go through this process and I'm going to present to you what the job really is. Do you accept? And that sort of helps you reestablish now, okay, from this point forward, this is what this role is. Yes. Sometimes you do that and the office manager says no. Sometimes you do that, they say yes, but they're still not able mm-hmm. to deliver. And sometimes they say yes and it works and it's brilliant. But what's the worst part is when you don't do any of that and you just go home every night totally frustrated. Because A, you don't know what's going on in your business, or B, you have somebody in your business who is not helping you really get what you want. So I'm listening to you and I'm nodding, but I'm picturing my clients and they would say to me, but I don't have time to 
stuff, what I'm doing and teach the manager how to do it. I need her to do it herself. And I don't have time to check in with her Mm -hmm. because I got to be over here making tooth dust Mm -hmm. or I'm not making any money. So what do you say to that? Well, I think my response always is you don't not have time because if you don't invest in your team and the people who are helping you make that money, you Mm -hmm. will not be able to grow and scale and you'll be bent over patients your whole career as a dentist, right? One of my clients who I've worked with had a very successful business. She was working a lot and we retooled everything in her company and she went down to working one day a week for four to six hours. Now, was that a lot of work? Uh Uh-huh. But she actually made more money. Because she, her time was focused on this, but then her, now her systems and the way her business is run is so much more efficient. Her other two dentists that work on her in her business are much more productive. Like everything changed. But there, that story, that's one of the other biggest mistakes that female entrepreneurs make is believing you don't have enough time. Of course you have time. If I told you you would make another million dollars this year if you invested in that office management position, I know you would figure it out. But you're so trained to believe that the only way you're going to make money is by transacting with patients. That you set yourself up for just a job. You're you're not actually owning a business. You're just working as an employee in your own company. Yeah. And taking on all the liability. Well, there. No, because you've got all the liability, but you still just have a job that you bought. Yes. But that is the linchpin, most important position in your company is that office manager role. And if that position isn't helping your business thrive, you have to evaluate whether or not you have the right person. But first we have to really know, like, have you even set the job up to be successful? Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> so other mistakes. Yeah. That extend to that is not, so let's say you inherited a team. You bought a business and you inherited a team. And they really are, you know, I've seen this happen. They're very allegiant to, they're very, they have a lot of allegiance to the way it used to be, Mm -hmm. or we've always done it this way. Dr. So-and-so does this. This is how we've always done it. And I, 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 I was talking with another client who is a doctor and a lot of the practice managers, office managers, they kind of work. There's a lot of them that sort of just go from one practice to another, not like hopscotch, but you know. So there's a, a, a culture of what, of, of how people think offices should be run and how people should deal with each other. And because you're a service provider and you're a caregiver, right? You're attracted to health services for a reason. Mm-hmm. That very skill that makes you, make, makes you potentially be amazing with your, your patients could actually make you kind of not great as a manager because you may really struggle with holding people accountable. And actually addressing when they're not doing things the way you want them to, or correcting the way that they think that they've always been this way, but now you want them to be this way. And so what I see in a lot of my clients is they're just tolerating a lot of inadequacy, a lot of like substandard. And the story that my clients say to themselves is, I just, I must just have really high expectations. I don't want to be unreasonable. Right. Maybe what I expect is just unreasonable and I'm, it's my problem. Well, like when I'm being a good dentist, I'm 
checking with my patient, right? Do you want a pillow? Here's your topical jelly before I get you numb. Do you mm-hmm. need a break? How's your jaw? I'm here to make you feel good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And so to go from that to, okay, employee of mine, we're going to talk about what I want you to do differently. That's really uncomfortable for me, right? Like I want to say to my employee, Oh, can I get you some of pillow? <laughs> so we put brownies in the break room? Right. And maybe I'll just dance around this thing that I want changed. Maybe if I just drop it or mention it, it'll, it'll happen mm-hmm. without being direct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which doesn't get you the results you want. It just, so how I know it's a problem is that my client is frustrated and unhappy. I have a lot of people who start with me who are like, I hate my business. I love my patients, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I can run a business. And one of the biggest mistakes in that is the reason that you're so unhappy is you're just not holding your own expectation. You're tolerating delays in billing and the phone not getting answered. And maybe the office doesn't look the way that you want. One of the issues that one of my other clients had is people weren't following dress code. She had a very specific dress code policy. Mm -hmm. And they would just kind of not quite follow it. Right. I think it was all black. I can't quite recall, but you know, sometimes someone would come in with like a faded black pair of pants on. Mm -hmm. And then her thought was, well, I'm just being picky. Yeah. I don't know that to myself sometimes. You're not. Yeah. If this is the brand that you want to have, then you have to hold the expectation. But the, but the, you know, then the other thoughts are, but people should just know better. They're adults. Why should I have to tell them this? Right. I remember one of the other conversations we had was about eating at the desk mm-hmm. and how that really was in an inappropriate with the way that they branded themselves. And again, questioning herself, well, maybe I'm being a jerk about it. I'm like, no, do you give them breaks and do you give them lunch? That's when you eat. Right. So, um, her learning how to address these things and not, you don't have to be a jerk, but we have to set the expectation clearly. Then we have to follow up and we have to remind people about when they do it well, we acknowledge them, we thank them, we congratulate them. We, right. So it's not just talking to people when they're not doing things well, holding an expectation is acknowledging all of it. Well, let me tell you something that happens for me and a lot of um, my dentist friends is that a mistake will happen, but it'll be during patient care or in front of a patient, Mm. not when we can stop and go, actually, I want you to take that x-ray differently or, you know, please polish this before the next time I see, I come into your room or whatever, you know, like, so then you're working and you're working and you get to the end of the day and you have a choice. (laughs) You can go home Mm -hmm. or you can remember that thing that you wanted to discuss and ask the person to wait and have the conversation. And Chris, it is just so easy to just walk away. To let it go. Yeah, I know. So what do you say to that female dentist who's like, I just want to go home take care of my kids, cook dinner. Yeah. It is easier in the moment. Yeah. But let's look at how it's not easier. You go home, you're still thinking about it. Yeah. Get increasingly frustrated because in your mind, you're like, I seriously, I have to tell her that. 
Seriously? Like really? And so then it's just going to happen again. And then it's just going to happen again. And from my perspective, if there are serious issues that keep happening in your business and you don't address them, you're just delaying what I know will be the inevitable issue. If you want to be successful, you cannot surround yourself with people who don't share the same view you have for what patient care looks like, for what office care looks like, for what all of it looks like. Otherwise, you're just going to always be slogging. Mm-hmm. And there's that, but there is this common belief, like, well, there really just aren't people who can, who do that, who people just don't think like me. They don't have that same level of commitment or loyalty that I do to wiping things off or whatever it is, well, then they should work for you. Yeah. But that's scary. I of mean, I, I realize I'm, I'm telling myself a story when I say it's scary. Mm-hmm. Like I depend on my employees yeah. I to be there because I can't do everything for every patient. No, but when you have the best employee on the planet, then, you know, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is what it's for. Right. And I tell people all the time, right? You don't, you didn't go into business to be someone's employer. That's so true. <laughs> right? That was not why you decided, oh, let me put my DDS sign out here. You so went into I business. Have seven ladies work for me. Right. Yay. I get to manage people today. That's going to be fun. <laughs> no way. Mm-hmm. So, So when you think about the reason you have a business, this is why we do so much work on vision, right? It's about the experience that you, whatever brought you to dentistry, that's what you're trying to create in the world. You have to bring people into that, that honor that. Mm -hmm. And I, for me now, you know, I've been leading teams for 25 years. I cannot handle it when I pay someone money and they don't deliver a result that I expect. Because that's the, that's the agreement. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, come work for me and I'll employ you. <laughs> it's come work here to achieve these results. Yeah. And I will pay you. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of employers and a lot of employees have gotten a little lax in that agreement. And that's why it's harder on all of us. Because I do believe a lot of us inherit the behaviors of other employers when you hire a new employee, right? So if you hire an employee who worked for an employer who wasn't very engaged, and then that employee comes and works for you, they're going to demonstrate a lot of those behaviors. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's just cyclical. It just keeps happening. It's rinse and repeat. So when you become the boss who is lovely, kind, gracious, open, clear, has demonstrated and written expectations, holds people to them. You'll have some people who are like, I don't know what's happening here. I'm not used to actually having to deliver on what, I, what somebody asked me to do. Or the, your A players are going to be like, let's go. I like working for this lady. Right. She gets it done. But when my, but my A players, if they're not all A players and I'm putting up with someone that I'm just tolerating because that's what they're used to, then my A players might not stay. Exactly. I'm bringing it, but not everybody's bringing it. And that doesn't feel exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So when you make that decision at 530 and you're exhausted and you want to go home now, do you have the conversation at 530? Probably not. 
but maybe you asked her to come and meet with you a half hour early tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you have the conversation before the work day. Well, and what you're talking about, there is something that I do a lot of times, which is a baby step towards something that I really don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just going to schedule it <laughs> or I'm, I'm going to write a sticky note to myself or to her that says, let's talk, you know, or it's a tiny little micro step towards that thing. It's the way I trick myself into doing things I don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. But it's once you have a process and that's part of what, what we work on, right. Is the process for being able to have these conversations. It doesn't necessarily make things easy. Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to say to anybody that it's easy. I do believe it gets more simple and anything like, I mean, I, I, I'm always in huge, have huge admiration for you as a dentist. Like what you had to learn how to do to be a dentist to me is overwhelming. Like if you can learn what you've had to learn to be a dentist, you can learn what can be taught to be a manager. Oh my gosh. That is what I'm going to tattoo on my eyelids. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that true? Like it's just a process. And I would imagine even as a dentist, even if you've been doing this for years, there's still certain things where you're like, okay, this isn't going to be easy. This is, this is a process I need to follow. But the process is simple. So you know what to do. Yeah. That's how I like to think about, especially when it comes to holding people accountable, having difficult conversations, maybe firing someone. No, it's not like you skip into office that day. Like, hey, I get to do this today. But you know what to do. And you can take that action. And then you can get the kind of results that you need for your business. So are you saying that if if I'm going to discipline someone that I prepare and I have like a checklist or a process Mm -hmm. to doing it, what does that even look like? Well, we always, whenever we want to address a performance issue, this is again, honestly, a common mistake. Mm -hmm. A common mistake with even addressing issues is that it's very personal and it's based on the opinion of the dentist or the owner, right? Or the boss. So a lot of times those conversations sound a little bit like, so Laura, I just want to talk to you about some things that I've noticed. I just really feel like you're not paying a lot of attention to detail lately. And I feel a little bit like you're distracted and um, you're just not really very engaged, right? That's how a lot of performance conversations can sound. They can sound very opinion-based, which all that does is invoke defensiveness. From your employee. I'm not engaged. What do you mean? I love it here. I don't understand. Yeah. And now we're arguing, but we're just going to banter and argue over my opinion, which is not useful. Right. Which is why so many people then don't want to have the conversation because they have to defend themselves. Yes. Right. So the way that we do this instead is we anchor feedback in evidence. Mm -hmm. So yesterday, when we were working on patient Lucy, Mm -hmm. this x-ray was not done completely accurately. This, whatever you were saying, wasn't cleaned off. Mm -hmm. The, the, the tools that I need weren't ready, weren't ready. And you left the patient for 10 minutes unattended. And then you say, what's going on? We say, 
first we tell that we present the evidence, then we present the impact. Okay. To the business mm-hmm. or to me, right? To the business or to me or to the patient. So the impact of the x-ray not being done well is, first of all, it costs us money, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you would say, right? We incurred the expense of that, wasted time and film or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, not having clean, not having the tools, it caused a delay. Leaving the patient alone for 10 minutes increased her anxiety, right? Whatever it is, what was the actual impact of the facts? Then we can say, tell me what, what do you have to say about it? Now, now we're not going to argue over my opinion. Right. I've stated the facts. Now she could say, well, I don't think it was the wrong x-ray. I did that x-ray because blah, blah, blah. And I did clean it. And I don't know why it was dirty. And I did have those tools out, but so-and-so came and took them. And patient Y told me to leave. I mean, they could have, they could say whatever they want. Yeah. We're not disputing, though, that that's actually what happened. Mm -hmm. Her reason is important for her to be able to communicate, but it isn't relevant to the conversation. Does that make sense? So I always like to let people tell me what they need to say, but it's not like I'm going to indulge it. Okay. What do you mean so-and-so took the tools? What do you mean so-and-so picked up things? I don't understand. Oh, she told you she doesn't, she like, no, I, I, I just say, thank you so much for your feedback. That's good to know. Okay. So, Okay. Let's take this a little farther. I'm your mm-hmm. employee. You're me. Okay. And I say, well, but so-and-so took the tools. Mm-hmm. I understand, I but they weren't there when I needed them. So then what you're saying is, but it was your job to make sure I had them there when it was time. Yeah. So if I argue with you, we could argue all day, or I could then go, oh, I better, oh, people are classic. When you start to hold them accountable, they'll be like, but look at this other thing. <laughs> Look at how she took them. Right. I'm not looking. I'm staying with you. I pay you to make sure that my tray is ready. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. And since so, it wasn't ready, I lost time and yeah. it was stressful. Yeah. And it doesn't make us look good. We weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. So, so and then we clarify expectations. My expectations are tools are prepared. Patient rooms are clean. Things are wiped off. X-rays are done correctly. Whatever the expectations are, you re-clarify. Yeah. And then depending on where you are in the conversation, but you should always have an outline of what's going to happen if this, con- if this continues to be a problem. So if we continue to have issues with tools or with cleanliness or with leaving patients alone, I'm going to have to, I will, be, I will be documenting it in your performance record, or I will be pulling you off X-ray for the next couple of weeks until we are confident in your ability. You get to decide what the consequence will be. This is the part people hate. People hate this word. They feel like they're two. But here's what you have to understand. And I say this lovingly. Like if you've tried to give up sugar as an adult, let's just talk about how easy that's been for you. Ever tried to quit smoking? How about not eating cheeseburgers, right? Whatever, like... Changing or not swearing. Changing behavior is hard. Okay. We have to have a consequence. Yeah. Even adults, because I know everyone listening to this podcast needs (laughs) a consequence to change a behavior. We're just creatures of habit. Nobody likes to be uncomfortable. So 
your job, this person has been hired. You are paying them money sitting in your office today to deliver a result. If part of the result that they're supposed to deliver is make sure you have your tray ready and the x-rays are done well and patients are attended to and they didn't do that, you just paid them and they didn't deliver on the promise of the position that they're in, that they are now occupying when somebody else could be in it. Doing it amazing. So you tell them, okay, so this is my real expectation. And if we continue to have problems with this, then X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And the reason that we do that is because nobody likes to change. People don't want to change. And people have to know you mean it, right? A lot of my clients will say to me, I tell my, my, tell my team all the time what they're not doing right. I tell them all the time, come on, you guys. <laughs> We need to be better about how quickly we answer the phone. Come on, you guys. We need to be, we need to get our billing done faster. They're not doing it. Right. Like, of course they're not. All they have to do is listen to you for 10 minutes, talk about it, and then you go away. Then I'm back to making tooth dust and they can keep doing whatever. Exactly. That's my other new favorite thing you said. (laughs) And over patients and making tooth dust. Yeah. That's basically what I do. Oh, do we have time for one more mistake? Yes, of course. Not paying attention to your money. <sighs> We're going to end on a zinger. You just put that right there. Please <sighs> remind me, why did you open a business? I think it was so I could bend over patients. <laughs> Does it have a free clinic? No. Is that what it was for? Right. Mm. No. It was to make no. money. That's Come what on. I went to dental school, to make money. To make money. Like, can we just tell that truth? Like, everybody's like, oh, I don't want to make it about the money. Yes. You know, I know you can actually help patients and make money. Mm-hmm. I've heard it said. And in fact, the doctors who make more money actually are helping more patients. Yeah. But if I were, this is to your listeners, if you and I were sitting across from each other right now and I asked you, how much revenue have you generated so far this year? Would you know the answer? I could tell you how much we brought in but I might not be able to tell you what the profit is. Yeah, but that's actually good news that you could tell me what you brought in because a lot of people can't even do that. And then with your whole dynamic with healthcare and billing and insurance, there's what you build, but how much you've actually collected. It's very different to numbers. Right? Yeah. So if you are within earshot of this and you do not have a current active process in place to look at your revenue, look at your expenses, look at your profit, and look at your forecast. You've got to build that into what you do. You are a business owner. And if you want to grow this thing, you've got to get build your business acumen. You've got to build your acumen around finances. And that's not just hiring a bookkeeper who runs your books backwards, right? Bookkeepers look at what you made. If, if, if it's March, they're looking at what you did in January. Correct. That's helpful for taxes. But how are you looking at actively looking at your financial health as a business? Yes. A lot of women, especially, don't do that. And a lot of women have big stories about money. Shouldn't talk about money, shouldn't focus on money, shouldn't want more money. And that impedes your ability to create and generate money. I think that most of my dental friends 
keep track of their money by just looking at how much money is in the bank account. Yeah, that's very common. Is so it doesn't help people? you make yes. it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't help you make good decisions about who to hire, how much to invest, if you need to buy new equipment, mm-hmm. how much to save. Are you giving, are you paying yourself? Are you taking a profit from the business? Like what that, that it's just not. I know that everybody listening to this will be agreeing like logically, but it's the discomfort you have with money that is what prevents you from developing a relationship with it. If you have a new relationship with your money, it's fun to look at money. It's fun to pay attention to it. It's fun to understand it. Sure, there'll be some months where you don't make as much, but if you can evaluate that from an analytical perspective and not a judgmental one, you can move so much faster through those spurts in your business where things aren't as great financially, which we all have those. So pay attention to your money. And I think everybody who runs a business should read Profit First by Michael McCallum. I've read it, but I still don't have like, what is it? Six bank accounts? Is it nine? I, I, I don't know. I have five. I, t- I took whatever he said in five. And everybody has, it's more about how he messages, like how you pay yourself first how you have a focus on profit. I like his formulas, right? That's part of what we teach in entrepreneurial management that I did with Brooke is we teach that so that you understand like how to manage your money, pay attention to your money, love your money. It actually makes you love your patients more when you love the money that comes from them. And it makes sense. And it really makes sense that my thoughts about money affect how I'm feeling. Yes. And so I need to manage what I'm thinking about money so that I can act like a responsible business owner and a good dentist. Yes. And I do, I, I do more than make tooth dust. I, I do. I, I think a little. I mean, I make a great beautiful smiles. And that changes lives. It and sure does. will be able to chew. And they pay me for that because yes. it's worth it. Yes. It is worth it. Mm-hmm. It's a value for them. So mm-hmm. they can give me the money. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when you get to have that kind of value in your life, no, people love to pay that money. Right. It feels good. Yeah. Or help, I'm helping so, them what they want. Yeah. Like if you're listening to this podcast and you're already like uncomfortable, <laughs> this is good news. This means <laughs> it's time to really go all in. Because if you're in a business for yourself and you're really suffering and struggling with money, then that also that also compromises the relationship you have with your business. Right. Your business is its own little entity. It wants you to take care of it. You're the custodian of your business. Mm-hmm. You are not the business. Right. Yeah. And if you take good care of your little baby, your your but your business and you help it grow, then you'll make money and you'll be able to enjoy it even more. Yeah. And grow more if you want. Mm-hmm. Or not. Whatever. So just, that's a big, that's a big mistake I see is a, it's sort of this general kind of, um, disconnection between the tactical part of your work, the technician part, right. The practitioner part versus the business part. Do you find that a lot of females have like beliefs about how they shouldn't like money mm-hmm. or that they shouldn't aspire to make money and be that boss lady? Yes. All of that. Yes. And more. So it just, it just keeps you small. It doesn't mean you have to be braggadocious or obnoxious or, or right. Like any of that, it's just, 
if you have an honoring, it, to me, it would be the same as if you said, well, I don't really talk about how many patients I work with. But I bet any dentist I could ask today, how many patients are you going to see today? And they would be like, oh, I have this many. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Like it, it's a lifeblood. You have to have patience to have a practice and you have to generate revenue. Yeah. You have to, otherwise you can't pay yourself and your people. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to yeah. keep on swimming in. One of the physicians I know actually had a really cool epiphany after her business grew and she realized like, oh, okay, I am not just doing this for me and my patients. I'm doing this to create an environment where people can come to work and be happy and fulfilled and achieve their goals. And it changed the way she thought about what she does. Mm -hmm. Well, it just really does start with your thoughts, doesn't it? Always. Everything does. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I sure do appreciate you taking some time to talk to us today. Of course. It's my pleasure. And you have a podcast. I do. It's called Lead Your Team. What's it called? Lead Your Team. Lead Your Team. And it's on iTunes and Stitcher and Google or anywhere else you get your podcast. So Mm -hmm. I would love for your listeners to tune in. I focus on all of a lot of what we just talked about and more, right? Yes how to lead, how to make decisions as a manager, how to set up your infrastructure, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not very sexy, but it's incredibly important. <laughs> well, I personally have been enriched by listening to your material. So I, I think any dentist would, um, would benefit from that. I think a lot of us abdicate our thrones. We're so, oh, we do, yeah. so busy telling ourselves and being so busy and all that stuff. And so we just don't want to deal with it. And then it gets mismanaged. Yeah. And then you end up having to deal with it and it's messier. Right. Yeah. So just how to do that better. Hit it in the butt. Do it. Do it. So thanks for having me. Thank you. We'll see you again soon. Okay. Thank you for listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists. To learn more, please visit thelifecoachforbusydentist.com and take advantage of my current offer for a free, no-obligation consultation to find out if having a life coach is right for you. I promise you won't regret it.